Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a lighthearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a diehard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I have to tell you that pain is like the worst thing that I've ever felt in my entire life. Coming to that realization... Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Do you want to tell our new listeners who we are? First, I want to say happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Carling. Happy birthday to you. That's me. Thanks. You're welcome. Anyways, now I will tell the people who we are. We are best friends. We've been best friends for over 20 years. We met during our production of My Fair Lady in high school. We have been through our fair share of trauma. And so we decided to start a podcast to talk to everyday people who have amazing stories to tell and no topic is off limits. Yeah, that's us. Yeah. And what's a fun little fact about us? Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. Okay, when I was a child, I wanted to be either a dance teacher when I grew up or a paleontologist. That's so random. I know. I loved digging up things. That's like the dinosaur, like Ross Geller, right? Oh, that's so funny. I didn't know that. (laughs) I wanted to be actor in Hollywood. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted, what I really wanted was to be on Home Improvement, not Home Improvement and Full House. I wanted like a recurring role, but. You did get to be on Home Improvement. I was in the Tool Time audience. Yeah. And And I was sure that was going to be my big break, but. That they were going to discover you in the audience. Yeah. And I do Um, remember headshots that you did as well. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We should find those and share them. Oh, God, I have them. There's one, there's like a set and it's black and white. And Uh I'm wearing like pleather Yes, I remember this. I just think like, why? Who made that decision? Yeah. Were you also wearing overalls in one of them? Might have been. Might have been. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah. seems like something I would have done. It was the 90s. Yeah. But we are recording on today, which is my birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. 
And it's been like an emotional weekend. It's the first birthday since my dad died. Yeah. The first birthday since my beloved dog, Tony, died. And I'm already like weird about my birthday. So this was just like... I've only cried three times today, so... Okay. You cried on your original birthday, so why not? Yeah. Fair. Right? Fair. I think it's just what you do. But last night was so much fun. I know. We went out for your birthday. We went to a locked room, and oh my gosh, I had so much fun. Yeah. I knew that you would like these two rooms. We did two rooms because I'm crazy. I'm like, by the time I finish one locked room, I'm like amped, and I need to do Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And so there's a big group of us. And the first room we did was called Prank Dwight. It was was so good. The room looked exactly like the office. They did such a good job. And I've done locked rooms before and they've always been dark. And I'm not a fan Mm -hmm. of being in the dark. Like I have a really hard time when it's dark, which sounds weird. But but this was like bright and you could see everything. And I just it was so cool. It was really cool. And then the next room we did was called Friendsgiving. Oh my gosh. It was literally like we were on the set of Friends, the couches, the TV, the kitchen, the fridge. Like it was so good. Yeah, it was so good. And then we even ended up in the guy's apartment. Yeah. Yeah. We got to go across the hall to the guy's apartment, which was so cool. Friends is my jam. I know all the things about Friends. I like watched Friends every episode, but I don't, it's like I didn't retain, it wasn't like a cult classic for me. So I would watch it every day because it was always on like syndication. So it would probably Mm -hmm. play at least four times a day on different channels. So if I was home, I would watch them. If I wasn't home, I would set up my VCR and I would record all of the episodes that were playing. And then I would come home and watch them and fast forward through the commercials. I feel like I could confidently say I've watched every single episode of Friends at least 100 times each. And that just makes me reflect on how pathetic... (laughs) That really oh my is. god. <laughs> How much time? I barely graduated high school, but I know every single line of every episode of Friends. Sure, but Maybe it came in best really, use of time, but it came in really handy yesterday. It did. I mean, so, I knew one day I'd be in this situation and yeah. it worked out. <laughs> I've only ever been in a locked room where it's just like the locked room and that's it, but this one was like yeah tables and you could have drinks and they had like really cool themed drinks and there's so many escape rooms in this one building yeah the company's called escape 60 and it is Mm -hmm. by far my favorite it's really cool like company yeah they're really good they put a lot of work into them how was your week otherwise it was okay i think again i don't really know what i did yeah everybody's healthy ish everybody went to school which is a big deal i still had a sick kid home monday tuesday and wednesday so she went to my friend's place so i could go to work and then wednesday i just did a bunch of things at home and then thursday everybody was at school and friday everybody was at school so that was a pretty big deal it's been like four weeks since i've had everybody go to school yikes yeah so that's been a lot how about you i think it was great i just worked Oh, I did that thing. We had, I think it was last week's episode. We talked about how I'm now in charge of throwing the like office monthly birthday. So we had it on Tuesday. A lot of people forgot, but still came. (laughs) They were like, oh, we totally forgot about this. And I was like, that's okay. Still come. But I would say like at least five people brought treats for everybody. Okay. Lindsay 
help me make like rice crispy balls for some reason i wanted them to be round not just like okay. squares and then we incorporated sprinkles good and then yeah. i went to the dollar store and just bought like a happy birthday banner but yeah i think like maybe 15 people came nice and everybody thought it was so cute and loved it and we just had a little visit with treats and then we went on with our day i love that look at you yeah. It was all right. Planning things like it's yeah. your job. Like it's my job. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think anything else happened. Like you'd think we would just take notes through the week, but. You would think. On Thursday, we recorded an episode of Wet Wednesday. We did. We recorded with our BFFs, Common Mystics. Oh my God. Jill and Jen are the greatest. They're so funny. And they're, I don't know. I just love them so much. And Jill was a couple margaritas in <laughs> before I we mean, started. Yeah. In the best way. That's in the, best the way to way. do it. Yeah. It was great. And every once in a while, you would just see an arm and it would fill up her glass and then it would leave again. <laughs> Her husband was like on it. It was so cute. For people who don't know what we're talking about, we record for our Patreon, for our level three, tier three. We record a monthly video episode called Wet Wednesday, and we always have a different guest. So this month, for the month of December is when this episode will come out. We interviewed Jill and Jen, the hosts of Common Mystics podcast. They're like We had a little so- fun, like US versus Canadian, like silly topic. So yeah. It was fun. We always come with a topic and then it goes in many different directions, but it's yeah. always super fun. And I feel like that's our segue to Patreon. Yeah, we do have one of those. And if you join, you get two bonus episodes a month. You, depending on the tier that you choose, you can get our episodes a day early, mm-hmm. our Patreon episodes. You get access to our whole back catalog, which is over 60 episodes. And you get stuff from us every once in a while. You'll get something in the mail, depending on what tier you're on. You'll get discounts off of our merch. Yeah. And you'll get our Wet Wednesday video. So I mean, it really pays you to join our Patreon. It really, I mean, we're doing you a huge favor by taking <laughs> your money, honestly. So join. Go to patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this and sign up for it. Yeah. What else do we have to say? I don't know. I feel like I've just completely lost memories of everything that's ever happened to me. Yeah, that's fair. We should say that we have a trigger warning for this episode. Yes. We speak with Anjane and it covers talk of suicide and child sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we just think like this episode may not be for everybody or you may just need to make sure you're in the right headspace and that you don't have young ears listening. And um, just take care of yourself after yeah. you listen or listen at a time where you feel like you can. And yeah. just be, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah just be. Be warned. Be- <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, should we get into it? Yes, I think we should. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Hello, Anjanae. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? Good. Good. We've been super excited to chat with you. We chatted, it feels like a few months ago now. Yeah. And I'm still blown away that you heard about our podcast because of Reddit. I don't know how to look us up because if you type in, I did not sign up for this, you just get a lot of support articles for how to like unsubscribe. But yeah, that's- I don't know how to do Reddit. Reddit scares me. And then every time I try to look up something, it's open on the Reddit app. I'm like, no, I don't care anymore. I know. Reddit (laughs) is scary. (laughs) It is scary. A lot lot of hateful people. I think it's because it's like an anonymous site. So you don't really get to see anyone. 
and they're like, oh, I can just hate on this person. Oh, yeah. that's so true. No one will care. There's, I've always heard a lot of people on TikTok who have subreddits about them, and I'm like, oh, what does that mean? But that's I don't, I can't do yeah. it. I can't go on it. Those no. ones are so horrible, especially they to like, moms. Yes. Oh, that's awful. Crazy. I feel, and I was just getting interested in figuring out how to use Twitter, but now apparently we're canceling Twitter because what's Twitter's his name bought no-go. it? Elon. Elon Musk bought it. And I guess now that's not cool. He's like firing everybody and he's like reinstating oh. banned Twitter accounts like Trump and oh, all this stuff. God. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to do Twitter anymore. That's fine. I don't, I can't keep up. No, there's too many. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> and then you have to be real. That's a new one. What's be real? You know what that- it's like an app where you get an alert every day where you're supposed to like stop and take a picture of whatever you're doing at the time. So oh, it's like no. literally like real time, real pictures. So you can't like you're not editing them, them or you're being yeah. your most authentic self. Right. Oh, I don't right. nobody wants to see that for me. Like, <laughs> it would just be a picture of me on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. An unflattering <laughs> angle watching TikTok. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Anyway, we are not here to talk about social media. We're super stoked to chat with you. So maybe just let's start with you introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you're from, and then we'll get into it. So I am a stay-at-home mom. I'm 24. My name's Anjane. I've been a stay-at-home mom since my daughter was born. So three years now, I have all girls just had twins in December. Oh my god. Um, so you have a three-year-old and twins? Yes. Oh, bless your heart. Yes, I'm dying a little bit, but... Yeah, that was like me. My daughter turned two, two months before my twins came. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the hardest part about the twins was the two-year-old. Yes. <laughs> she wants yeah. to... She wants to help so badly, but she doesn't yeah. realize how strong she is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, when you see those kids with the babies and you're like, oh, God, they're so oh, fragile. God. Yeah. yeah. Mine was more like, I need attention and I'm going to get it any way that I can get yeah. it. And, and she's still like know, that I, today. Oh, she is. And I ruined her life by having twins because she was the baby. So she's eight and she's still trying to get me back for it. <laughs> and I also feel like there should be a better title than stay-at-home mom because like Mm -hmm. you couldn't pay me enough to run a house and keep three small humans alive yeah you need like a doctor i don't know but anyway so good for you that's amazing yes i was a stay-at-home mom for eight years and holy cow it's it is hard work it is hard work yeah it seems so appealing When you're like on the outside, oh, I get to be with my baby all day and I get to just stay at home. Sounds awesome. Yeah. But like, then you are giving up so much, like your social life. And your work doesn't end. Yeah. It just keeps going. There's no clock out time. Yeah. And then it's like just everything that you go through when after having a baby, it's, I feel like for me, I had to discover myself again. It was like, Oh my gosh, what do I like anymore? What are my yeah. hobbies? Yeah. Besides absolutely. drinking co- iced coffee, because that's a big <laughs> hobby of mine. What, are, what else do I like? Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine. So, where does your story start? If I remember correctly, you like discovered something that you would put away in your memory as a kid. Yes. I was sexually abused like my entire childhood. I 
didn't realize until I was like 19 years old and in a relationship of my own that there was something wrong with it. I think I was, you always hear about people like staying in like a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and being gaslit and manipulated to a point where like they are questioning their reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was me pushing it so far back in my brain that I didn't realize that it happened until I started talking about it. The first person I told was the person that I was in a relationship with. Once I started talking about that, I started spiraling. All sorts of symptoms started happening. Like I became manic and depressed, suicidal, just like everything. And memories started coming up. I found myself in a state that I had never seen myself in before because before this I had experienced some depression in high school and middle school. I think I would say that I actually struggled with my self-worth my entire life and I think that that sexual abuse and those two things go together. Yeah, 100%. When you're, you're being told that your body is your entire worth and that's how someone is like by touching you that's how they love you. Nothing else really matters. You're just an object. Yeah. To feel that way at such a young age really sucks because my brain is wired that way as an adult. Yeah. Those were such important years that you were forming this belief system. Do you remember, was there something that happened that triggered that sort of thought process of like, oh, this was actually abuse. And then that opened the floodgates of memories. I was sexually active with the person I was with and I think that sometimes when we were interacting in that way I would disassociate and just a lot of the things would trigger me something Mm -hmm. in my mind and one night I had gotten drunk and I was at home and like we were texting or something and I felt really triggered by whatever happened and like the words just came pouring out like wow I was asked what was wrong and it just came out and I felt relieved, but I also felt like, oh my God, what have I done? Because I don't know in my mind if I was going to hold that secret for the rest of my life or what I was going to do with that secret. I just knew that from here on now, like my life's not going to be the same. Now that I've realized this, it's not going to be the same. I'm going to have to work through this, figure something out. I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I think it's so important that you talk about this and the fact that you had repressed memories because we did have, we talked to another person not that long ago who had a very similar experience. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, how you can not realize it or put it away in your brain to protect yourself for so long. And then it comes out. And then how do people you're like, I'm sure you're thinking, are people going to believe me? Mm-hmm. Are people going to understand that this happened? Because how could I forget? Or how could I put it away? I tried to, I think a couple weeks after I told people, I tried to look up online, someone that had been in a similar situation that mm-hmm. I was in, because I was like, man, like you always hear about people telling someone close to them when they're like 12. Yeah, right. And it's been happening for three years or something like that. But you never hear of someone telling someone 19 years later and it's been going on. It didn't quite happen for like 19 years, but it's been going on for something like 15 years. Yeah. It was happening for 15 years. I don't know. Like I just, I think after 
that in the repressed when the repressed memories came up I did find myself like wondering why I didn't tell anyone because it did it, it started at five I believe wow um that age to even think about that age and somebody going through something like that and then the abuser manipulating them into not telling anybody or scaring them into not telling anybody and conditioning Mm -hmm. them of course at five you're gonna listen to the adult and you're going like you you have no concept of is this okay is this not do I trust this person oh it's just it's awful and was your abuser somebody close to you yes so my mom she had me at a pretty young age she did go through a couple relationships and she had my sister and then the person that she ended up being with is my stepdad and she trusted him she was like she had a bad experience um with my sister's dad so she was very skeptical mm-hmm. and she was always scared of me being sexually abused or something happening to me so she was trying to make sure that she picked the right person and at first everything seemed fine mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, what it was about me. I did start developing early, so I think maybe that had something to do with it. And it didn't start off with him just, like, outright abusing me. It just start. it started out with, like, small gestures. Yeah. Like, oh, let me get you, like, a toy or let me give you a kiss right. on the lips. That sort of thing first. Yeah. As I became more mature and started to develop it became a more frequent thing. Yeah. As my mom progressed in her job and stuff like that was going on business trips, it started happening more and more. So I remember it happening a lot in like middle school, my first year of high school. It happened like very often. It was always when I was sleeping, he would always come in. He would always tell me that he loved me and I was so beautiful. Right. When you don't have your actual dad in your life, and someone t- is sitting here telling you this stuff. They love you like a daughter. And you don't know how a dad is supposed to love their daughter. Yeah. You, and you think that this is normal. Yeah. You're just going to accept it. So I just accepted it. But I did find myself at a point where I like actually hated him. I hated living with him. I couldn't figure out what it was during that time. But now I realize it's because... I had no control. He was literally abusing me, gaslighting me to make me feel like he was doing this to me because he loved me when he actually was a pedophile and abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so scary that abusers spend so much time grooming their victims. And so that by the time that the abuse gets, all abuse is bad, but by the time it progresses, you're so confused and conflicted and you're just groomed so that it's safer for them that you're not going to say anything. I just, that's, and to your mom, she probably thought, oh, it's been enough time so she could start traveling and you know, they just put on such a show. Exactly. She had put so much trust and faith into it and she couldn't think anything was wrong. Yeah. And of course, because it's not like he's doing it in broad daylight. Yeah. He was doing it during the night. Most of the time, he was in the military, so a lot of the time he would work, like, the night shift. Let's say on the weekends, he would be up during the nighttime and just come into my room and touch me or 
something like that. And the crazy thing is a lot of times he would push his limits in situations like, oh, let me put my hand on her butt in the kitchen. So I would think that I'm like, oh, so I guess this is the thing that like dads do to their daughters, you know? I remember being like 12 and going out in public and seeing like a dad and a daughter grocery shopping and I would be like oh I wonder if they do the same thing oh wow and not realizing that is not normal even now in my life I will go out and I'll see the same thing and I'm wondering Mm -hmm. I'm like is that something that could possibly happening even though I know it's not normal yeah and I think that the first time I realized that it was not normal was I was watching like some tv show i think it was degrassi and they've always been doing that like more progressive yeah yeah type thing touching on mental health and stuff like that and i think one episode they talked about a similar situation it wasn't a dad or stepdad or anything like that but it was a teacher and then i realized that it was wrong but for some reason i didn't feel the need to tell anyone i think from then on it was affecting me so much that i started self-harming and by this point i'm in high school so i'm self-harming i'm like the mean girl at school i'm very passive aggressive i'm passive aggressive at school i am having trouble forming relationships and building strong friendships because i have this fear of abandonment Mm -hmm. and I just am so insecure because I don't have any self-worth I start cutting myself I'm super depressed I don't want to I don't want to tell anyone I don't want to be around anyone and he's still around me but he get he eventually gets a job in like Japan Mm -hmm. and for those two years the two last years of high school I am free Mm -hmm. I'm free to be myself I am so much happier I am able to sleep at night because this whole entire time also I was wetting the bed. Oh. I wet the bed up until I was like 16 and I recently found out that's like a sign yeah. of sexual yeah. abuse. Yeah. I stopped wetting the bed and I was like, oh my God, this is great. I've been wetting the bed for 16 <laughs> years. I can sleep through the night, not have to change my sheets. Yeah. He came to visit one time and he tried to do something with me and this was the last time that ever happened. And it hurt really bad. And he tried to like manipulate me and make me feel better about the situation, even though it hurt. And by telling me that he loves me and I'm beautiful and this and that. I think by this time, I had definitely realized that it was bad because I had already had sex with other people. Mm -hmm. And the first time that I had, I don't want to, I hate saying that I had sex with him because I yeah. didn't. No, he well, raped you. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. raped me. Yeah. The first time that I had sex with someone, it felt like the same thing that w- that he was doing to me. Mm. It felt like forced. It didn't feel yeah. good. That's something that I've struggled with now as an adult. Yeah. It's hard to enjoy it. Right. I have had to retrain my brain because I feel like I need to be in the state where I'm sedated. Yeah. Because that's how it always happened. I'm afraid to enjoy it. I'm afraid to even like yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm so angry for you. Just, I have no words. Honestly. I think kids are so vulnerable. And like you said earlier, you form their beliefs, mm-hmm. you train them. Mm-hmm. All these beliefs and the training starts when you're five. And it's really hard to retrain your brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
yeah. it is extremely difficult. I think that people don't realize how difficult it is for someone that is sexually abused. You're supposed to enjoy sex and you're supposed to enjoy being in a relationship and you're supposed to, there's lots of things that you're supposed to enjoy about life. Yeah. Those things can have been stripped away from yeah. me. I've had to retrain my brain to allow people to love me. I've had to retrain my brain to allow myself to form relationships and know that and trust that per- I will never know what it's like to have a normal relationship mm-hmm. like someone who hasn't experienced yeah. this. I will never actually I will never know what it's like to live a day in their shoes because yeah. there's never a day that it goes by where I'm not thinking about this. Yeah. It might not be like, oh, remember when he did this to me or remember when he did that to me but it's like in little ways like just me even looking in the mirror and seeing my body or having trouble eating something or seeing someone that looks like him or just like little things like that did you tell your mom eventually I did actually tell my mom like I think two months after I had told the first person it completely broke her and for a while, I felt really guilty because yeah. I felt like it yeah. broke her idea of this perfect family. Were they still together, even if he was traveling? They were They were still together. Both of us went through the same thing at the same time, I would uh, say. Yeah. She started going to therapy. I started going to therapy. I really feel for her because I don't know how you can ever trust yeah. again after that. That's like the ultimate... Yeah betrayal and especially because she was so aware of it like she she was actively trying to find somebody and partner with somebody that was going to not do that exactly and so to know that she took all the right steps that you think you should take and it happened I can't even imagine that for a while it it did put a strain on her relationship too just because I don't think that we were so scared to talk about it we were avoiding the subject because it's a no one wants to talk about yeah. that. No one wants to hear about their daughter and what what happened to them, like the full on details. That's it's hard to imagine. It's hard to picture. It's the reason why the subject is I don't want to say it's not talked about. It is not talked about enough, but it's talked about, but it's not like we're not going into full on details. Right. We're just saying, oh, this happened to me and that's it. We're not talking about how many times or what exactly they did, even though I think that's important. We were just so scared to talk about it. We were just, we weren't angry at each other, but we were angry at the situation. Mm. My mom was worried about me because I was spiraling and drinking a lot and doing a lot of risky and impulsive things. She was just trying to keep the spirits up and act like everything is normal for my siblings. Did you tell them right away what had happened? I did not tell them right away. I think my mom had asked them if something had happened. Just she wanted to make sure. But I didn't tell them. I didn't really talk to them that much. I just didn't want to be around anyone in my family, to be quite honest. Like, I was just... At that point, I was just looking for any risky behavior to behave in. I think that this led me to, like, looking for men... And wanting them to sexualize me, alcohol, just all sorts of ridiculous behavior. When I think about now as a mom's, if I saw my daughter doing that, I would lose it too. And (laughs) our relationship probably wouldn't be the best because I would not know how to handle you. So 
I was doing all of that and I made some really crappy decisions afterwards too. I saw a therapist, but he didn't really tell me what I wanted to hear. So I stopped seeing him and I just started self-medicating and I was still in a relationship, but I really didn't feel like sexualized enough, I guess. Yeah, because that's how you were taught to get love, right? Yeah, so I was seeking out more male attention, avoiding my family, not coming home. This went on for a really long time. Like, I spent my entire college savings on clothes, like, just doing extremely impulsive, manic stuff. It took me a while to get calmed back down and realize that I really needed help. I think that... When I finally got caught seeking out male attention while being in a relationship Mm -hmm. and realizing how badly I had hurt that person, that was when I reached my real breaking point because I realized that, like, I am becoming a person that I don't recognize. So I decided to go to a mental hospital and I stayed there for two weeks I got diagnosed with major depressive disorder and PTSD. I then went to an outpatient program and it was like during the day, five days a week. There was like a ton of other people and they all had similar stories to mine. That's amazing though that you did that, that you mm -hmm. could have totally kept going down the wrong path. Yeah. And the person you were with when you first disclosed it, did you have a lot of support from them? Or I don't know, I guess, like, how did they react? They were in complete shock. I think they didn't know what to do. I am just going to come out and say I was being abusive and manipulative. I was using this thing that had happened to me in the most abusive and manipulative way ever like oh you need to be there for me right now I don't have anyone if you're not there for me I'm gonna kill myself I can't handle this I can't be by myself I need to stay with you like all the time please don't stop texting me I need you to text me right now like not allowing them their own space like saying that whatever's going on with me is the most important thing right now. I think that's such an important thing to touch on, though, is that like, I think hurt people hurt people. And, you know, you even from being in high school, when you said like, you're a mean girl, like, of course, you were hurting and you didn't know, you know, how to get out of it. Yeah. And I think that I didn't know how to really tell anyone how I was feeling. Mm. I just wanted to act like everything was fine all the time until it got really bad and I wanted to hurt myself. Yeah. And did you go to the authorities? What ended up happening to your abuser? So I did try to go to the authorities, but because most of the abuse happened in another country on a military base, I wasn't able to, they weren't able to help me. There's not enough evidence as they would say. So as I really would like to do something because I don't know if he plans on having children or being around children, but I don't want anyone to be in a similar situation. Yeah, people like that don't generally stop doing what they're yeah. doing. Exactly. And even afterwards, after it happened, my grandmother and a few other people mentioned how like, 
they had some signs like that he could have he could be doing something because even if we were like 12 or 13 he would still be tickling us Mm. touching us in the most inappropriate ways it's like why are you still tickling a 13 year old who is developing into a woman give them some space you don't need to be touching them like that he still felt it was like a appropriate for some reason and it's probably um like i i imagine like for your family if they saw something that was sort of like, I don't know, I guess like it's people don't want to risk because if it wasn't happening and they said something, mm-hmm. what does that do to that relationship? Yeah, I mean, exactly. that's a huge accusation, right? It's, yeah. it's hard to come back from something like that. So it is hard to find the line of where do I step in and where is this just harmless? But I think that maybe, I don't know, to say err on the side of, this isn't good. I don't know uh, where the line is. That is, ext- I have no clue. Yeah. I'm trying to learn that as a, a mom yeah. now because I am trying to not have my daughter live through my trauma. Yeah, exactly. like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't, you just have to stay right. here. You can't leave the house at all. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. going to anybody. Yeah. God, I would be like, like that. My God. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important though, too, to kind of follow your kids lead a little bit because I've had my kids tell me that they feel weird around a certain a friend's parent and they feel uncomfortable and they can't really pinpoint why but I think that's their instincts telling them that this maybe Mm. isn't a safe person to be around so I think that's important too to listen to your kids when they're saying things like that and don't be like oh no it's fine like they're just they're harmless it's your friend's parent yeah it's just like it's they're just like us yeah 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 (laughs) yeah absolutely and I think I hope I don't know it it feels like today's kids are being taught a lot more about see something say something body autonomy like like definitions of things so that our generation it was more like oh give so-and-so a hug or give in I don't feel comfortable doing that but you're rude if you don't do it but we're not teaching our kids that anymore If, if you don't feel comfortable you don't feel comfortable and that is your right to say that yeah yeah that is true I think that when you're forced, it's like being forced to share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to be a people pleaser if you're forced to share everything. Right. And if you're forced to give affection, you're going to feel forced to, someone might force you to do something else and you might feel yeah. obligated because it's considered rude. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think too, I try to be the type of adult that is open to having any conversation with mm-hmm. a kid in my life because I want to be that safe person like I I didn't really have that relationship with my parents I didn't feel like I could go to them with anything yeah feeling safe and trusting people I think is really important because you're more likely to go to that adult or whoever it is and tell them Mm -hmm. if something is wrong yeah yeah I think that with older generations that was like a really big problem like you never felt like you could trust them with your information If you told them something, they may make you feel horrible about it yeah. or say that it's not true. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we are becoming more aware of how those things and what we say can affect our kids. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to be different than yeah. that. I do think that in a lot of families, we have someone in the family that has acted in a sexual way mm-hmm. or done something to a kid but we're completely ignoring it. Instead of doing something about that person, whoever did it, we're ostracizing the little girl that it happened yeah. to yeah. or her family. Yeah, or, you and know, excusing it away. Oh, that's just 
creepy Uncle Joe. He's like that. And it's yeah. like, no, that's not okay. We shouldn't be making excuses for a, a grown adult who's doing things like this. Exactly. People, those are the type of people that are never held accountable yeah. for their actions. Yeah. And they will not stop until they are caught. Yeah. They yeah will keep on pushing and pushing and pushing and to see what they can get away with. Yeah. That's the type of behavior that they like to engage in. And it's completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important what you were saying about how you were acting through all this and how you were a mean girl or whatever, because it can kind of help us shift our perspective a little bit with other children who are maybe acting out or who are the bully in school or who are maybe acting provocatively, you know, that they're not just a bad kid, they're going through something or somebody's doing something to them. Exactly. Psychologists even say that when a parent is more controlling and acting in an aggressive way, physical, Mm -hmm. verbal, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, that kids tend to do worse in school they don't attend college and they usually go into something like they have addiction issues they're hurting so badly I have to tell you that pain is like the worst thing that I've ever felt in my entire life coming to that realization and you want to fill it with something you don't Mm -hmm. want to deal with it you don't want to talk about it because it's so painful Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do to fix it it's not you let's say you you broke up your dining room table and it just needs some wood glue. You can't glue your brain back together and make it all yeah. better. Yeah. How are you day to day now healing or living with this? I would say that this is like the best that I've ever been. For a while, after telling my mom and all of that, the spiraling and I did make the impulsive decision to have kids young because I thought it would make my life better and it has. But that was a trigger in itself, especially having a girl. I think that especially at her age now, yeah. it's scary. Like mm-hmm. I get worried about situations and how I'm going to handle them, yeah. Yeah. even if they're not happening right now in that moment. You're looking at yourself, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to, it's hard for me to find balance and not being too overbearing, but not being too lenient. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I struggle with. Sometimes I'm very lenient and I'm like, oh, it's whatever. She can do whatever. I'm trying not to care too much about boundaries. And then it's other times I'm like, no, she can't do that. She can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's making, it's going to make me anxious. Something's going to happen when something might not happen. So having that balance when you've experienced this as a parent, it's extremely difficult. Yes. And I imagine it's going to be even more difficult as she gets older. Yeah. But with myself experiencing this from day to day, I used to get extreme mood swings and experience PTSD episodes in the evenings and stuff like that. But that doesn't happen as often. I am married. I do have a husband. Our marriage is pretty good right now. I do struggle with self-worth and I do have to retrain my brain that just because he doesn't want to do something with me intimately, Mm -hmm. that does not mean that he doesn't love me. He tells me that he loves me all the time. He does stuff for me. He wants to hug me and be affectionate with me, which is something that I'm not really used to. So Mm -hmm. having to train my brain in that way, it has been a thing as well. 
And then I've been exercising. Exercising is like the greatest thing that I think anybody can ever do for their mood. Mm -hmm. It just boosts my mood so much. I don't have so many angry outbursts or episodes. It clears my mind. I don't have to think about it as often. And then journal every single day. And that's something that I started after I went to the mental hospital. Also therapy. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I still go to therapy. And I think that I don't think that therapy is something that I am going to need all the time because I have taken breaks in between. But if I notice something or something has come up in my life and I need to deal with it, I seek out therapy because I know that I may be able to fix it myself, but talking to someone might help yeah. me out and make me yeah. feel a little better. Absolutely. And maybe they can get me give me an outside perspective. Yeah. Or or tools teach me yeah. a new coping mechanism and the sucky thing about therapy is not everybody can like afford it yeah. yes. or has the tools to get there and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that really does suck because I know that there's a lot of people out there that are in my situation that need that they need that support especially we were just talking about teenagers yeah. teenagers they need that yeah. yes <laughs> yeah how different would our world be if therapy was just free it's true I think so too. I love that you recognized it and the road to a better place is not always just straight and up, but I just appreciate your honesty so much about those like dips and curves that journey takes because it's not just like, oh, you discover something, you get help and then you're better. There's a lot of ups and downs in it. And I think that we don't talk about that enough. Yeah, I think that a lot of people think that when something happens to you, and then you deal with it, life goes on and everything is fine, but that's not true. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Can't imagine how difficult that is to relive and share and we really appreciate it. And I know that there's gonna be people listening who have experienced what you've experienced and will be able to maybe heal a little bit from hearing your story. Yeah, and feel less alone. Thank you guys for allowing me to use your platform to share my story. I'm really, I was really nervous thinking about doing this, but I honestly feel really good sharing it afterwards, after telling everyone. Good. I think if I, can I tell your guys' listeners yeah, a message? Yeah, please. I think that something that you guys can take from this is that a child's life may look one way on the outside, but inside there may be something deeper. And I think that as adults, we need to take those signs and ask the children questions, intervene in some way. Even if you have one one sign, just intervene. Because you might save that child from experiencing whatever they're experiencing further. And it can even be, I see a lot of people posting their children online and exploiting them. It could be even intervening in that way Mm -hmm. just if you see something that you don't agree with and it's happening to a child just intervene yeah you could save that child's from experiencing anything further yeah absolutely and i think that we really need to protect children they are vulnerable they are the future Mm -hmm. and they're just really important yeah you i completely agree thank you so much we will be in touch we hope you have a good rest of your night i know it's a little bit later there for you so hopefully you can get some rest yeah by one hour now that we know the time zone Uh, carling i have 
I have to ask because I was very distracted. What happened to your pinky finger? I have food coloring on it because I thought I'd be oh. a fun stepmom and tried okay. to make purple spaghetti. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, it's even distracting me. I know. I Like, my hands are just, like, covered. It's not great. <laughs> oh, funny. Okay. Awesome. All okay. right, ladies. Have a great night, and we will talk soon. Sounds good. Okay, okay bye. bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. Thank you so much to today's guest and to everyone for listening. If you're enjoying this show, there are many ways that you can help our podcast grow. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Join us on our Patreon. Follow us on social media. Check out our merch store. Share our show with your friends. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please message us on IG or Facebook. Have a great week and thank you so much for your support. Bye. Bye. I guess I'll just turn up that outro music. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.